0: You are listening to Understanding Disordered Eating with Rachel Heinemann. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and a certified eating disorder specialist. On this weekly podcast, we talk about all things psychoanalysis and eating disorder recovery. It's a combination of interviews with experts in psychoanalysis and eating disorders and some solo episodes where it will just be the two of us. The goal of the podcast is to help you try to understand a little bit more about yourself Gain a deeper understanding for why you do the things you do and bring you one step closer to a healthier relationship with food and yourself. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024, guys. We did it. Today's episode is episode 111. If you're one of those people That are thinking, it is a new year. I can turn over a new leaf. I might wanna take on some New Year's resolutions. This year will be better. Then maybe you wanna think about downloading my journal prompts. What it is, is a whole bunch of journal prompts for you to start thinking about how your relationship with food impacts so much more, is impacted by so much more, and impacts so much more than just your relationship with food. It's a really great way to get into the nitty gritties of the deep stuff that we're talking about on this podcast specific to your life. But just as an aside, I'm not the biggest fan on New Year's resolutions and this year's going to be better and new year, new you. It's another day. It is another year. It's nice to kind of reflect on last year and, and be excited and prepare for the following year if that works for you. But I also think this fantasy of a new slate, everything is going to be so much better. It's just setting us up. So if you're into this kind of thing, set realistic, measurable, and kind of small, but challenging goals for yourself, and certainly add the journals into the mix. Today's episode, we're talking about how to eat when you don't really want to, and I'm sure a lot of you <laughs> maybe went through a, a little bit of this over the last couple of weeks, especially spending time with family. And maybe some of you are going to experience it now post-holiday. And maybe some of you just experience this a whole bunch of all the time. I think what's really important when we're thinking about how to eat when you don't want to is why don't you want to? And I know, cliche, of course, Rachel is asking that question. (laughs) Maybe I'm predictable for a reason. But I think the question is really important because depending on what the answer is, that's how we target it. So in order to just keep things organized, I'm going to divide today's podcast episode into two parts. One is more of the thoughts and emotions behind the scenes. And then the other part is very practical Stuff that you can just take, and obviously they go hand in hand. so we really have to break this down and and I'll give you some examples because not all of this is going to apply to you in particular. You'll be able to understand your own or at least start understanding where this comes from for you and then be able to apply some of the skills. but we can't really apply some of these skills if we don't do some of the why and how are we going to motivate you to actually do the thing you don't want to do. So I think one of the major things that we hear is I don't want to eat because I don't want to gain weight. And (laughs) I know that we say this all the time, but you can't possibly gain weight from this one thing. So if you're struggling with a meal, something that's really, really, really important to remember, or even if you're struggling with an entire holiday season, to be honest, like, I don't know, 10 days or something, a vacation. One meal, one week cannot possibly change your weight in a significant way. The same way that one workout or one salad is not going to make you lose weight. One, whatever it is, I don't know, bagel, pizza, ice cream situation is not going to make you gain weight. But if you think about it, that's nice for one week or in one day. What if you're thinking about, I don't want to gain weight. And, and I know, I know that I can't gain weight from this one thing, but if I keep this up, I am going to gain weight. And that's what's making this really hard is I know that I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep following my meal plan and my weight will change. And I'm terrified of that. And I think one thing that we have to just take a second to acknowledge is that is terrifying. gaining weight, If that's the thing that you're afraid of, and that's the thing that's really interconnected with restriction, it's not gonna go away because you're working with somebody or you've committed to working toward recovery. Obviously not. And it's gonna take a whole bunch of time to work through and to have a little bit of compassion for yourself. I know that's not your favorite thing to do, but try it out, even if it doesn't work. Pretend you're someone else. This is something that I'm afraid of hold space for it. It's, it's not going anywhere. So we're not going to bother kicking it out, but if you keep it around, there are consequences. So either you can do the thing where you restrict your intake and maybe your body is the way that you want it to be. But the trade-off is that you are perpetually hungry, whether you feel it or not, you might feel physically hungry. If you don't feel physically hungry, other people will know that you're a hungry or probably irritable to no end, even if you say that you're not hungry. You stay sick, you stay isolated socially, and you stay obsessive, where this mind torture lives in you. 24-7, you get zero break. And I was going to say even, you know, only when you're sleeping, but maybe not because you might be dreaming about food. That's the trade-off. So if you think about it, This is an active thought. I am having so much trouble eating this. I'm terrified of gaining weight. And at the same time, if I keep myself sick and I keep myself restricting in this place of being afraid of weight gain, then I am also inviting in the consequences of being hungry, socially isolated, sick, and constantly being obsessive about food, weight, body image. And so part of this is, I don't want to feel obsessive. I don't want to have obsessions. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be socially isolated. I just don't want those things. So as much as gaining weight continues to be terrifying, it's also an active choice to work toward a mind that's a little more calm, a little bit more free from obsessions, a body that's a little less sick, a mind that's a little less sick a social life that's a little less isolated with every time you challenge yourself to eat, that is the road that you're choosing. So thinking about all of these fears and body image stuff that get in the way, and obviously this requires like outside of thought, not necessarily in the moment, which is kind of why we're talking about it today, but making a commitment to choose the side that might end up living in a larger body if you can work toward an existence that is. Satisfied, obsession free, healthy, and socially connected. I think a lot of what's really important with this segment in the podcast episode is to really focus on what's important to you. So, thinking about what your values are, what's meaningful to you. And I know this might seem very existential and you're not going to be doing this every day, but I do think that it's important to think about at least once in a while. So, first of all, what is your overall recovery? And I guess we're continuing to talk to the person who either doesn't have an appetite or just doesn't really want to eat, even if you do have an appetite. I I understand that like we're splitting hairs here, but you know, like we talked about fear of gaining weight. Maybe you don't have an appetite for whatever reason you don't want to eat. It's going to be important to focus on what your overall goals are in recovery. So, so what does recovery mean to you? And not what your therapist and not what your friend and not what your other person in recovery thinks recovery is. What do you want from it? What is your overall goal? And how do you break that down into smaller pieces? One of them is probably gonna be having your meal plan and that the specific challenge of what that looks like you'll do with your dietitian. But it's really important to have an overall goal identified, written down, whatever it is, so that you know what you're working toward. If you're just, you know, just like, oh, yeah, I should challenge myself to eat even when I don't want to, but you don't have this sort of like end of the tunnel goal, then sometimes it feels like you're spinning your wheels and you're just aimless. Like, where am I headed? Part of this question really requires you to expand your thought process in terms of your values and what's meaningful to, you know, just like a general question, what really matters to you in life on this earth? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it career contribution? Is it hobbies? Is it having a good time? Is it nurturing yourself? What is it? Like what's important to you? And again, not what somebody else says is important to you, but what is important to you? Writing that down, really contemplating this in a serious way is going to help you keep your eye on the prize. Another way of thinking about this is what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of adjectives do you want associated with you? We're going to be like a dark for a second. What do you want said at your funeral? What kind of descriptors about you? What kind of life did you lead? Yeah, that sounds dark, but you know what I mean. Thinking about the kind of person you want to be also creates a little bit more of, this is the end of the tunnel for me. This is the goal that I have. This is where I want to reach. And so a lot of these struggles become less of a, I don't want to eat. I don't want to do this. And more so, I really don't want to do this. But in terms of the grand scheme of things, in terms of bigger picture, I want to go there. I really do want to go there. And maybe pushing myself to do this thing I really, really, really don't want to do is going to get me there. That's worth it because that's actually what I really, really, really want. Let's pivot ever so slightly to emotions. So we were talking more so about thoughts and where you can think about things and highlight your values. And that's slightly different than emotions. And of course, we know that food is intertwined with emotion, whether we're eating it or not eating it. And obviously there are so many different emotions, either underlying or intertwined, and it's hard to really identify the specifics. That's not what I'm talking about here. This is If you know that there is a really loud emotion happening now, and I can give you an example, let's just say anger. Anger can get really, really loud. And that's the one that we usually know that we're feeling. If you're angry, so think about maybe last week, if you got together with family or a couple of weeks ago, if you're Jewish, if you got together with family and you really did not want to eat because, well, not necessarily because, but happens to be, A couple hours ago, you got in a little tiff with your parents who are really down your back about what you're eating and what you look like and what you should be doing and where you should be finishing your college or what you should be doing with your job or your kids. They have a really loud opinion on your life and you are pissed off at them. You also happen to not feel like eating right now. I don't know if it's connected, but it kind of feels connected. So the question is, how can we separate your emotion from food? So again, going back to this original question, like, how do you eat when you don't want to eat? If part of what's making you not want to eat is this intense emotion, how can we separate that from the food? Now, over time, this is going to be a much larger question in terms of you know how you relate to other people, relate to your family, how you process emotions. But in this moment, can we even just say in your mind, I'm feeling angry and i actually would like to see you in pain right now because you are pissing me off. And I know mom and dad that you are really invested, (laughs) literally and figuratively, in my recovery. So I really don't feel like eating because if you see me not eating, it's going to hurt you. And I really want to hurt you right now. Know this. Even if the person that you want to hurt by not eating gets hurt, They are not going to get hurt as much as you need to satisfy that itch. It's just not going to be there. And so what you're doing is hurting yourself, hurting them, and it's not even getting the intended outcome. So if we can think about, I'm really pissed off at these people. (laughs) In this example, it's mom and dad, I'm really pissed off at them. I feel like taking it out on them by not eating, but that also hurts me. And I don't feel like hurting me. Maybe I want to hurt them and we can <laughs> talk about that at another time, but I don't want to hurt me. I need to be able to feel angry, but also do what I need to do for myself. Separating the anger from the food. I am really, really angry. Maybe I'm going to need to eat in another room, but I need to eat because I need to take care of myself, me, myself, and I. That's going to be really, really important to notify yourself of what is happening and to try to separate as much as you can from the emotion. And this goes for all of the emotions. If you think about sadness, like sometimes people feel really sad and they have no appetite. Maybe we can think about what you're sad about. But at the end of the day, even if you don't feel like it, you still need to take care of yourself. And I think sometimes this doesn't feel organic and it feels like really like you're pushing yourself how do I separate food from a, from an emotion that that doesn't like even, that I don't even know what that means. But sometimes it's as as simple as saying it out loud or really telling it to yourself. And maybe you don't believe it, but at least for right now, it really has to just linger around for a few minutes so that you can do what you got to do, eat what you have to eat, and then move on. Sometimes people have a hard time eating because they aren't feeling seen. And Maybe they're only paying attention to in the way that they need when they completely spiral, so completely relapse, they're not eating anything or in public, or they're really visibly struggling. And if you're not feeling seen, and this feels like a way to be seen, how can we have you ask for more of what you need? And maybe not from the people who seem to not see you at all, but maybe from other people that you know do have the potential to listen. Like, for example, if you're working with a therapist, maybe you can ask the therapist for what you need. Maybe it's too threatening to ask your dad because your dad historically hasn't seen you. But again, sort of separating this, I really, really feel it needs to be seen right now because every human needs to be seen. Nobody seems to be realizing what I'm going through that I'm still struggling. And the only way for me to say that is by not eating. How can we have you separate that from the food. I'm not feeling seen. I really need to be. It's really, really painful. And I still gotta eat. Now moving on to a little bit more practical solutions. Like what can you do when you just, this is so, so hard. A couple of things that are going to be really helpful to keep in mind, especially when food feels really physically uncomfortable. If you don't have an appetite, especially if it's in the beginning of your recovery, eating smaller meals maybe more frequent might be easier so instead of having these seems like giant meals and takes so long to digest and is so physically uncomfortable shortening the time in between what we call quote meals but who knows how many you know you could have six or seven meals a day if you call everything you're eating a meal shortening the time in between and having smaller meals of course like figure all this out with your dietitian but that might be easier if you're having smaller amounts of food that might be more comfortable. Another thing that might be easier for some people is to eat dense food or food that is more nutritionally dense. And what I mean by that is something along the lines of like nuts or nut butter, as opposed to having like fruits and vegetables that are just Very, I love this word people use, voluminous. I don't know if anybody outside of eating disorder, higher level of care even knows that word or if it's a completely made up word in the community, but there you have it. Have something that is more dense nutritionally because it'll feel less uncomfortable for you to meet your nutrition requirements than having something that feels a little safer. Now, on the flip side, if you're in a position where it is easier for you to complete your food, or just to have a go at your food with non-challenged foods. And the nutritionally dense foods are really, really, really challenging for you. Might even push you not to have them at all. Have your safe foods. So what I would say is with this one and the one that I just said before, depending on where you're at, if you're in a place where the physical discomfort is really too heightened, focus on having more dense foods. If it's the emotional discomfort and the challenge of having the fear foods, Stay with the foods that are less challenging for you, because in a moment that you're really not interested in eating, if we can get something in, (laughs) let's decrease the challenge in a moment that is really, really challenging. So you choose depending on where you're at. Another thing that's going to be important is maybe not every single time, but some of the times or a lot of the times eat with other people. You can either explicitly tell people that you're struggling and maybe maintain some accountability that. Way, if you have people in your life you feel comfortable with telling, or you don't have to tell them anything, you just sort of invite people to eat with you, whether it's going out for a snack, going out for dinner, inviting people over to you for whatever meal it is. Eat with other people, it will help distract you, it will help connect you with others, it will help you eat. The next thing that's going to be really, really important is to have a meal plan. And I say meal plan in quotes because that means something different for every person, decided beforehand so the decision is out of the question. Whatever the meal plan is for you, whether it's specific types of foods and quantities or it's more of timing and a loose translation of what the foods look like, it really doesn't matter. Whatever meal plan means to you, have one and have it decided so that there is no decision-making in the moment. In a moment where eating feels really, really tough making decisions is going to be completely impossible. So if you know that breakfast has become really, really challenging, you have two options for breakfast. You know exactly what the entire breakfast looks like. There is no decision-making besides for which one do I have the foods in my house apartment right now, or maybe the decision is just like one or the other. That's it. There's no, should I eat? What should I eat? How should I eat it? No, 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 no. none of that. It's decided for you in advance because we're preparing you for the moment that we know is going to come. And obviously keep your regular appointments with your therapist, with your dietitian, because that's going to be one of the most important things. I mean, I I keep saying that these are important. Obviously they're all, they're all important, but that's going to be also really, really important. Now I understand that this is certainly not an exhaustive list. And if you have any other ideas that are creative and i haven't mentioned or haven't thought of before please let me know you can shoot me a dm on instagram you can shoot me an email or if you have any thoughts about what i was saying in the beginning about more of the thoughts emotions behind why someone might not want to eat and maybe what this is like for you and you know living within your family maybe you still live with your family of origin and it's really really hard constantly maybe you just visited your family and you live not so close. And that was really hard. What happened for you? What made it difficult for you to eat? Let me know. I would really love to hear some of your own experience with this and what goes on in your mind. You made it to the end. Thank you for listening. Every single one of your downloads means so much to me. If this conversation is leaving you wanting more, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You'll have the opportunity to reply back directly to me over there. Can't wait to see you in your inbox.